0: This is Curious Minnesota, a Star Tribune project that sends staff from the state's largest newsroom hunting for the answers to great questions we receive from you, our readers. Questions like, why does everyone love to Haiti Dinah? How does Minnesota have so many Fortune 500 companies? What's the story behind Minnesota Nice? We're here to answer everything you want to know about the state's people, places, and culture. Welcome to Curious Minnesota. I'm your host, Eric Roper. There's something magical about northern Minnesota. Whether you're paddling a canoe through a serene lake or waking up in the woods to the sound of loon calls, special memories are made up there. But just a lucky few Minnesotans get to have one of the most magical up north experiences seeing the northern lights, Aurora Borealis. The astronomer Galileo named them that 400 years ago, combining the words for the Roman goddess of the dawn and the Greek god of the north wind. You may have seen beautiful photos of these colorful waves of light, but witnessing them in person takes some planning. We're going to arm you today with all the info you need. But first, let's hear from reader Kathy Waddle, who asked Curious Minnesota about the best places and times to see this beautiful, natural phenomenon.
1: My husband and I were driving along a route from northern Minnesota to Minneapolis. This was maybe 25 years ago. And I know we saw the green lights in the sky and we tried to exit the freeway and chase the lights, but we were unsuccessful. And I've been wondering ever since if this was a dream or if I actually saw them and how I could see them again.
0: So I'm here with Kelly Smith and Brian Peterson. Now this is the great part about the Star Tribune newsroom and the Curious Minnesota podcast is we have two subject matter experts here. Kelly researched this story for us for Curious Minnesota in September, and Brian is a photographer who's seen the Northern Lights many times and photographed them and brought them to thousands of people through the newspaper. So we have some great expertise here. Kelly, just to start, when we talk about Northern Lights, Aurora Borealis, what are we talking about? What, what does that mean?
2: So in short, It is the particles from the sun interacting with the Earth's magnetic field. So solar flares and coronal holes on the sun spray these streams of particles into space. When they connect with the Earth's magnetic field, they give off light. And one expert called this the sun burping a piece of itself into space.
0: Wow. So the solar rays...
2: They're solar particles, and when they are drawn down to the north and south poles, they enter the atmosphere and they release energy in the form of light. And that light that you see depends on the altitude that the particles are reacting at or which gas the electron is hitting.
0: And why is this a Curious Minnesota question? Are we unique in some way?
2: Well, obviously, the northern lights are best seen the further north that you go. That's because the aurora oval forms a circle basically around the pole. And so as the aurora gets stronger, that can move further south. It depends on the KP, which is a measure of the magnetic activity. And so in Minnesota and places in Michigan are good chances of seeing the northern lights at times.
0: Okay. So, Brian, unfortunately, we're trying to describe something very visual on an audio uh, medium here. So take us there. What what happens when you finally get to see the northern lights? What are you going to be looking at?
1: Well, I think one of the dirty little secrets is that they're often not as spectacular as you see in photographs. With today's technology and the sensitive camera sensors, what you're going to see on the back of your camera is going to be quite a bit better than what you're seeing with your naked eye. The other thing I would say is that you need to be away from lights. I mean, if you're standing on your porch with a bright porch light behind you, your eyes are not adjusted right to see. You need to be out in the dark and let your eyes adjust to the darkness, and oftentimes you're only going to see a haze of green on the northern horizon unless it's a really good show. If you do see that, you're generally in for a pretty good night, and and it's generally going to get better as the evening progresses, and then you're going to see, you know, on a good show, you're going to see pillars of purple and green and blue, and they'll be moving and waving, almost like uh, the, the wind is pushing them in one direction or another.
0: And once in a lifetime, you see a full on spectacular situation.
1: Yeah, I've only seen it once here in Minnesota and I, I am pretty sure it's pretty rare. I've been watching the Northern Lights for the last 15-20 years and I believe it was 2005 when I saw the most spectacular show that I have seen and it was right after dusk so there was still a little bit of blue light in the, in the western sky but there were purples and greens, pillars and it was pretty much filling all of the sky above you and you could actually hear the Northern Lights kind of humming. It was, uh, it was quite an eerie and spectacular sight.
0: Wow. So, Kelly, it's March. Is that a significant date for the Northern Lights?
2: Yeah, well, September and March are some of the better chances of seeing the Northern Lights because during the equinoxes, the Earth's access relative to the sun puts its side on to solar wind, which means that you might have a better chance of seeing it. But again, this is weather, so it's hard to predict.
0: And we had some luck here at the podcast because we knew that we were going to do this and we knew that we were heading into the season. I asked Bob King, also known as Astro Bob, to take out his phone and let us hear what it's like when you do see the Northern Lights. He's in northern Minnesota. He's a retired journalist and he remembered to do that. Thank you so much, Bob. And here's a little clip from Bob seeing the lights outside of Duluth a couple weeks ago. It is February the 18th, about 10 o'clock, and I can't believe it, it wasn't
3: in the forecast, but the aurora is out. It's about one degree. I'm standing out in a wind right now. It's very cold. But I see a couple of wonderful arcs in the northern sky about halfway up into Cassiopeia, uh, almost to the Dipper handle, and it's dappled with rays as well, and not much color yet, maybe a little bit of pale green. I'm just in a parking lot at a dog park north of Duluth where I have a a pretty good view of the northern sky. The brightest part is kind of typical. It's pale green and it's low to the horizon, about 10 degrees high. That's about a fist held vertically at arm's length. Above that, there's a gap and then another fainter arc in the sky. So we've got two auroral arcs and every once in a while, the lower arc will brighten and define itself into a series of rays, parallel rays that come and go. They melt, they fade away, they come back again. And it's a lovely night. Uh, If it was about 40 degrees warmer, that'd be even better. Anyway, anytime the Northern Lights is out, it's a great sight.
0: So that was a great description and I'm sure some of our listeners will want to see what that looks like. So we'll include a link to some photographs that Bob shot in the show notes for this episode. So March is a good time, but we should also talk about cycles. So Brian, these are cyclical events, right? As far as years go, is that correct?
1: Right. There's generally an 11 year cycle and we're actually at the low end of the cycle right now. And in 2025 or 2026, we will be back at the peak. So it's a good time now to start planning your locations. It's not a particularly great time now. this year, but if you start doing some planning, you'll be ready when it comes back.
0: Okay, but Bob saw it, so it's yeah, out Yeah, it there. can
1: happen. It definitely can happen. Okay. Um, I think during a high cycle, you might see good KP numbers every month this time of year. I don't know. It's been at least a month or two since I've heard any rumblings about good KP or everybody's heading north. So
0: Okay. And Brian, let's say we are going to go scout a location. What would be some good places to look at?
1: Well, just to give you a little bit of a rough idea of my process, I start with the KP if the KP looks good, I'm going to start making a trip. I want to find a as far north as I can go. I want a good, clear view of the northern horizon. A large lake is a good, good place to start, or from a hill where you can see a clear view of the northern horizon. You want a clear sky. Obviously, clouds can really mess it up. Clouds can also make for some interesting photography, so don't uh, just back away if there's a little bit of cloud cover. It can really make some interesting uh, photographs. And you want as close to a new moon as possible. You don't want the bright light from a full moon Kind of interfering with the atmosphere and lighting up the whole sky and it diminishes the ability to photograph the northern lights.
0: Okay, and we have a great lake in this state, Lake Superior. So is that a good place to go?
1: It's not particularly good. You're, you're Basically, your North Shore is running northeast and you want a generally a clearer view of the northern horizon. And unfortunately, that ridgeline that runs along 61 is blocking most people's view of the northern horizon. So unless you're out in a boat or you're out on a big peninsula that you can look back, or unless it's a really great night and it's pretty much filling the sky, it's happened a few times where you can really see it even out over Lake Superior. But generally speaking, it's a risky property position to try to find a good spot along the North Shore.
0: And technology has made this maybe a little simpler. So there's apps, right, that people can monitor to know the best conditions. Tell me a little bit about those.
1: Yeah, you can uh, just go to your app store, Apple, uh, iTunes, and just Google Aurora Watch or Northern Lights Watcher. There's probably dozens of them, and I've tried multiple ones. They're all pretty similar. It's just a personal preference on what you like, but it'll give you KP indexes for your area. It'll give you alerts if you want to get warnings. The good thing is that oftentimes there is a two to three day warning before high KP index numbers. So you can do some planning and those apps are really helpful. You don't feel like you have to scramble to get up north. You can do a little bit of planning anyway.
0: Kelly is swears by some of these apps, and so how's that been going?
2: <laughs> not well. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I use uh, My Aurora Forecast app, so it does send you a little alert saying that there's a high KP right now. Even if you get an alert and you go out there and chase it, you may not see it. I've Are your bags,
0: in. like, packed at I'm all times? I'm ready to
2: go, yeah. I've gone up on a weekend and just sat on a random lake north of Duluth uh, for hours, just in the dark by myself. This feels
0: like storm chasing, but just a little less intense. Less like, intense. Twister, but for Northern Lights. Okay. (laughs)
2: And
1: and there's nothing worse than uh, sitting in the office here in the Twin Cities and you get a storm KP warning at noon. And by the time you pack things up and head north, it's diminished, and that can happen. I mean, you can have, literally have northern lights during the middle of the day, you, mm-hmm. you can't see them, but they're there. Oh, really? yeah so oh, I didn't the realize K- that. When you watch the KP index, uh, oftentimes it'll peak during daylight hours, and by the time it's dark enough to see them, they might be diminished.
0: Okay, yeah, I mean, the sad part of the story is that Kelly has not seen the northern lights in Minnesota after many attempts, right? but has seen them in Iceland.
2: Right, once you see them, they're so spectacular, there's nothing like it.
0: Okay. So hopefully our listeners, maybe they're, uh, they're getting very interested. They want to go see mm-hmm. now. And let's say they have figured it out, right? They've gotten there and they're seeing the lights. And now they want to show it to all their friends and brag to their relatives and e- everyone on social media. So, Brian, where should they start? Can a smartphone really do anything in this context?
1: Yeah, I think the technology is starting to come along. And uh, I think specifically with the new iPhone 11 and the night shot or long exposures, I'm not sure how that camera actually does it. But you can hold that camera for 10 seconds and not have a blurry image. It seems like magic to me. I don't know how they do it, even without a tripod. I've yet to go out and try the Northern Lights with my phone, but I think the technology is coming to that even. that. Would, but older wow.
0: older smartphones would be more challenging.
1: Oh, yeah. I think pretty much impossible if you don't have the night shot modes that allow for longer exposures. Okay. Generally, with a DSLR, you want to use the fastest lens possible, a wide 20 to 24 millimeter wide lens, f2.8 or faster. And my general exposure uh, formula would be starting at 1600 ISO with a 20-second exposure at f2.8, generally speaking, if there's any northern lights in the sky at that point, you're going to see, and you might even not see it to the naked eye at that point, but you'll see a green horizon maybe, or you'll see some evidence of it coming. So it's a good way to kind of judge whether the night's going to be good or not as well.
0: And you should bring a tripod.
1: A tripod, yeah. You need a tripod unless you're uh, one of those uh, geniuses that can hold a camera still for 20 seconds. And you want to not go longer than 30 seconds because then you're going to start to get star trails and your stars are going to look like long stripes rather than pinpoint dots.
0: And I should note for listeners, we will put a link in the show notes to the story that Kelly wrote. And in there is a video that Brian did that has even more specifics about how to set up your camera to make this the perfect photo of the Northern Lights. Because as we're learning here, the photography is actually part of what brings this to life, right? Because it might not be so obvious when you're looking at
1: it. Mm -hmm. It definitely looks better.
2: That's one of the frustrating things is when you see all these viral photos of Northern Lights... A lot of times that's not visible to the naked eye.
1: Yeah, it's true. The new cameras will definitely make it look brighter than you can see with your naked eye.
0: And good luck asking some of the experts, not these experts, but other experts, like where they're seeing these things. Because social media, people are posting these photos, but oftentimes you can't just go and ask, well, what lake were you standing on, right? I mean, Kelly, can you talk about that a little bit?
2: Yeah, people are very secretive about where they see the northern lights. There are Facebook groups. There's a Great Lakes Aurora Facebook group where people will notify people when they've seen the lights and they'll give general areas regions, but no one will reveal their specific location. They don't want hordes of people showing up taking photos as well.
1: It's surprising how many locations in Minnesota still have quite a bit of light pollution, so finding that clear, dark view of the northern horizon on a lake that isn't full of cabins with yard lights, it can be a challenge.
0: Well, Kelly and Brian, thank you so much for coming in. I feel like our listeners are equipped now with everything they need to know about seeing the northern lights and photographing the northern lights, so listeners, if you are successful, please uh, tweet a photo at me. We'd love to see it, and we can uh, talk about it on a future episode. But thank you both for coming in. You really shared a lot of expertise with us today.
1: Thank you. Yep, thanks, Eric.
0: Listeners, if there's someone in your life who's been searching in vain for the Northern Lights, I'm sure they'd appreciate it if you sent them this episode of the podcast. But let's not stop there. If you like this show, please tell a friend, a colleague, a relative, maybe even your dentist. I don't know, why not? (laughs) And if you've got a question about life in Minnesota, simply record it on the voice recorder app of your smartphone and email it to curious at startribune.com. We may feature it and an answer from an expert on a future episode. Thanks. Thanks for listening to Curious Minnesota. We want to hear from you. Ask questions and read more stories online at startribunecom backslash curious. Our show is recorded at the Star Tribune's headquarters in beautiful downtown Minneapolis. And our music is produced by Matt Gilmer. If you like the show, please rate us on iTunes or leave a review. And until next time, stay curious.